Hello. Episode of another episode of the Waterloo Advantage. I'm Dhruv Patel, one of your hosts, a third-year mechatronics engineering student, and co-hosting with me is Varun Kundra, a third-year math student. Today, we have another very special guest, Eric Lee, who will be talking about his co-op experiences as a software engineer and working at startups. So welcome, Eric. Could you introduce yourself for our listeners? Yeah, sure. Um, so I'm Eric. I am a second-year computer engineering student. Um, so I actually off, uh, found my own startup and then decided to go back to school. And so here I am um, continuing my studies at the university. All right. Sounds good. Um, so yeah, there's definitely a lot to talk about. How about we start with your co-ops? So I understand you co-opt twice at Lacework. So can you tell us more about Lacework, what they do and sort of your role there? Yeah, sure. Actually, can I start with a little story, maybe? Sure, yeah. <laughs> this might put some things into perspective. Um, so, okay, so in my very first co-op, so I worked at um, a company called Nuance, um, and there's a funny story about how I got the job. <laughs> um, so, I mean, everybody knows, about, at least at Waterloo, that we have a, like, Waterloo Works job board. And so, I guess the first year, like, um, I was a Stream 4 computer engineering student, which meant I had to find co-op, like, immediately. Um, like stream fours have to search in one a and so i mean two weeks into my class like i'm looking for jobs and yeah. i had like literally no experience <laughs> and so i'm looking i'm looking for these jobs and i like apply you know everybody applies for these jobs and i'm not getting anything and so i decided to like try looking for jobs outside of waterloo works and so um found a couple of interesting places in montreal and so i was like ah oh, montreal's a cool city might as well apply there and so what happened was um, <laughs> I got matched actually with a job through Water of the Works and it was for something completely unrelated to like what I wanted to do, like software engineering. <laughs> and I was like, I don't really want to work there. And so I actually got an offer for the job, um, for a software engineering job in Montreal. And so I reneged on my unrelated job and then Water of the Works kind of banned me. And so this is just to give some perspective about what happens in the like, next co-op. <laughs> and so they banned me from Auto the Works. And what that means is I can't use Auto the Works for two terms, which includes um, the term, like the next term after. So I went to like Nuance, had a good time. And then, so now it's summer of 2019 and now I'm looking for jobs again, but this time I can't use Auto the Works. <laughs> and so I'm like, oh crap, like I'm kind of screwed, right? Like, uh, I don't, can't use the job board. How am I supposed to find like jobs? And then I remembered, right, the previous term, um, like I had used Waterworks and I had some contacts, like um, sending out some emails and things like that. So what I did was <laughs> instead of like using Waterworks because I couldn't, I decided to go a different route. And I started cold emailing recruiters at companies that I was interested in working at. And so at Lacework, um, I found Lacework in my inbox, and this was a company that I really wanted to work for in um, my first term, and so I had applied to them. They were on Waterworks, um, but unfortunately, I mean, I, I didn't have like the skill set and the qualifications and so on to, I guess, get the job at that point. Um, but now with some experience, um, so I emailed the recruiter directly. Right, this was like a month before you were supposed to go on co-op, and so. <laughs> somehow magically i got a reply from the recruiter like the next day and he's like yeah sure you want to uh, want to schedule an interview and so this was like again three weeks before like we were supposed to go on co-op i was unemployed like no job and so mm. i was like yeah sure let's do it let's do an interview i'm down and then the recruiter scheduled me for an interview the next day and so within like three four days i had my interview and i cleared it i was able to go on like a i did do a co-op at a startup in california and so for me, that was like, holy crap. <laughs> um, yeah, from being unemployed to like having like a job that I was my dream job, at least um, as a software engineering intern at like a security company. Um, yeah, that was like, yeah. wow, it happened so fast. And so um, I guess that's like the, I guess the premise, like the story <laughs> before I got the job. And then of course, let's talk about, I guess my first time there. So um, yeah, so when I went to Lacework, um like this was my first time uh working in the us first time in california uh had no idea what to expect really and so i guess my first kind of couple days um it was really like a whole new experience um and the things that so 
I guess this is just a thing that I kind of learned over um, past couple of years, but working at a startup, I think is a really, really good way to get um, like good experience. And it's something I recommend for everybody to at least get an experience of working at a startup um, because you get to do a lot of things that you might not get to do at like a bigger company, for example, just because at startups, things move so quickly um, and there's not a lot of room for like, <laughs> um, like staying behind. And so mm -hmm. you, things, things have to move quickly. And that, that means there's more opportunities for you to pick up new things for you to learn and work on, um, projects. Um, and I just, in general, I think the atmosphere, it's really, it's really good <laughs> for, for learning. And so I do recommend that. And so I guess my first internship there, um, kind of learning their system, obviously, um, I still got to work on a cool, like few couple cool, um, things. Um, and so most of it, my work was, um, related to the backend. So I did a lot of backend engineering, got a lot of backend engineering experience. Um, like for example, um, working with Docker, Kubernetes, um, I built like a testing framework for microservices. Um, and I also worked on a custom query language translator. Um, so it was kind of like a, it basically compiles. Um, so this custom language that compiles into or translates, I should say, um, the query language into, um, like dynamically generated SQL. And it was supposed to like help, um, basically retrieve data models, um, and make it easier to, um, like write these instead of writing like 200 line SQLs, you just have to write like two or three lines of this query language. It's super powerful. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's a hell of a story just to get into laser. <laughs> I'm sure like they recognize that initiative a lot, right? That's what I'm guessing. They really value it. Yeah, I kind of, I was a little bit of luck there too. I mean, um, I, I did get the recruiter's email because he did send me an email prior, um, saying that unfortunately they didn't have a space for me in my first year, um, like first semester. And then, so I was digging through my inbox and this was like, I'm stuck, right? Like I, I need a job. I'm like struggling. I'm kind of stressed. And so, yeah, I just, right. it just so happened. I was trying, right. I was trying like whatever I could do to get a job. And at that point I'm like, okay, emailing recruiters, right. Direct messaging on LinkedIn and applying to jobs on like job boards, asking people for help, referrals, yeah. et cetera, you know, just doing what I can. Right? Because <laughs> at that point yeah. you're, you're basically getting to the point where it's like, I'm desperate, right? Like <laughs> if, if it's two weeks yeah. before, you know, your job is supposed to start and you don't have a job, right. That's when you're starting to get worried. So, yeah. Right. Right. So can you explain just for our listeners, like the basics of what Lacework does? Yeah, sure. Um, so Lacework is a cloud security um, startup. So essentially they provide a SaaS platform. So customers, um, I guess any kind of customer who has uh, like computational resources in the cloud, for example, like most companies, software companies, even non-software companies that just have like, um, like things operating in the cloud or operate their, their services, et cetera, their environments. The idea is um, the cloud environments, everybody's moving to cloud. It's not super safe yet, right? Like the security aspect of it is super important because a lot of people are moving to the cloud, right? But you have to make sure that the environments are um, safe, right? Make sure that the data is protected uh, and that like um, malicious attackers can't get access to your environments um, or like hack your stuff basically. And so what Lacework does is we provide a platform which kind of, it's like two or threefold. It contains like the, the SaaS platform in which people can monitor their environments, um, but also have like a lot of features related to like anomaly detection, um, and, uh, like we, there's some machine learning algorithms and models that kind of help, uh, kind of see what normal usage of environment is and what abnormal behavior looks like. And so there's a lot of interesting, um, problems <laughs> to be solved in that space about, um, like related to how to correlate data. And I guess most of it is like data problems. And so, yeah, the idea is cloud environments need to be secured, um, and uh, Lacework is the platform, like a, a SaaS platform in which like customers can use the platform to see, right? Keep a track of, um, how their environments are doing the health and so on. Um, and so the way Lacework kind of does that is we basically ingest data and do a lot of interesting things with it to find out, um, what's really going on. That's super cool. And, you know, just to get sort of an idea of like, do you know what like sort of industries um, that Lacework operates in? Any like interesting clients or 
customers that, that you can. Yeah, I mean, um, so what I can get into, I guess, in terms of like sectors, it's wide, like there's wide market penetration, I would say. Um, a lot of software companies definitely are, are interested because a lot of software companies have environments in the cloud, right? Like if they're running AWS, running GCP, running Azure. And so um, Lacework can be used on all of those kinds of platforms. And then nowadays, I mean, they're expanding into a lot of different areas. Um, I haven't been working there uh, since like last year, but in the time, I guess, um, when I was there, like they were working on like getting into containers. That was something that was really big because mm -hmm. everyone, everyone's moving into cloud, right? And then plus the containerization, Kubernetes and Docker are becoming like industry standards. And so there's support for that as well, like inspection and containers, see what's going on inside containers, things like that, because a lot of people are taking advantage of this too. Um, as people are moving to containers, um, there's not as much um, like focus, I think, when people are working with containers, they're talking about like, okay, how do I get it to work? Not necessarily like, oh my God, like somebody might like get into my app via a container, right? Like maybe there's a security issue, et cetera. And so I think um, with more and more like migration to cloud and things like that, um, this, this is becoming um, at least something that's super important, um, like security. And it can often be overlooked because like people in industry, like they're trying to deploy their features and satisfy customers and clients and things like that. And oftentimes security just becomes like a, not a primary concern anymore, which is not a good thing, I think. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And, you know, just to sort of get an idea of like how much companies are valuing it at, like, you know, just like a rough estimate of like, do you know how much, how, like what percent of their budget or like, you know, what, what's like an average contract size at Lacework, just to get an idea of like um, what this really is to companies? Well, it varies, I guess, right? So it depend, depending on the company, it probably can't go too deep into like the numbers per se, but yeah, um, sure. the ranges for sure. Like we're looking at um, maybe six, seven figure contracts, right? Depending on That's company true. size and their needs and things like that, because different customers want different things. Mm -hmm. um, and so every customer is different, right? They might want more, um, of the service, like more features, some other customers might need less of it. Um, and so it really depends. Yeah. That's, that's super interesting. The six, seven figures is, is quite big, but I, I guess the, the clients are also, are also quite big. Yeah. It really depends on the clients, right? Like yeah. there are startups, uh, or not startups, but like smaller companies that do use this. Right. And obviously we're looking at like also large enterprise companies. Right. Um, and so, yeah, um, sure. and so they kind of pick up customers as they go and then um yeah so it really i think nowadays i mean the customer in terms of like um i again um not sure about the numbers in, per se but like um let's just say lacework is doing well <laughs> and they're really picking up in terms of like revenue and customer numbers and growth and things like that mm. um so yeah looks like this industry is pretty hot so for sure and yeah. sort of just like what made you particularly sort of interested in working there? Like you mentioned, it was your dream job, right? So why software engineering? Yeah, at least, okay, so yeah. yeah, yeah. In first year, 1A, I mean, coming into university, I was super interested in computers, right? And then um, I'm looking at like, uh, particularly in the field of security, I think that was something I was interested in as a kid. Um, I used to like play around with a lot of um, like Linux servers and um, like basically try to figure out how to break into things. I was like, you know, exploratory, right? Like, I mean, I, I read a lot about um, like security and um, those like capture the flag type games and things like that. Th those were super fun. Um, when I was in high school, I used to participate in those. And so security was an like particularly interesting industry for me. I mean, um, I didn't really know, <laughs> I guess, what it really meant. Um, in terms of like a greater context, right, for companies, like how important it could be for companies or like how it is used in um, industry per se. Um, but I had a good idea of like, okay, this is something that's kind of interesting, right? Like, um, like attackers, could, it's so easy. Like it, look, sometimes it looks so easy. <laughs> and so I wanted to figure yeah. out, right? Like I wanna learn more about this space. And then um, I found a few companies on WaterlooWorks that were in the security domain. And most of them were startups and most of them were in the Bay Area. And so I was like, okay, you know what? Just give it a shot, right? <laughs> it doesn't hurt. So I was like reading about their their job description, reading, doing research on the company and so on. And I was like, oh, this is really cool, right? Like, huh, cloud security. Like, what is that? <laughs> I have no idea, but it's something to do with security. And I was like, okay. So you read about it and you okay, it's like, okay. So they're doing some work. Particularly I'm looking, I was like reading about it. It's like, okay, they're back in systems, 
are like doing this data processing probably and it looks really complicated <laughs> and so i was like okay this is a, i think this would be a good place to get some good experience at least in that domain right like i wouldn't really know what like i would work on as a software engineer i was like maybe i would work on their systems but not super sure <laughs> like what does it mean right am i doing security work um or am i doing like like what am i doing i I'm, wasn't really sure i guess when i initially applied but then when i was talking to the recruiters and stuff and they were talking like the recruiter was telling me about like how they kind of operate and what it meant i guess like how they were helping customers and clients i mean that got me hooked and so mm. i was like yeah <laughs> this is it <laughs> uh like i want to try this out right so that's kind of how i decided to pursue internship there for sure okay and i was wondering like how did it you know sort of did it feel different running code for a security startup versus like your first company nuance yeah i mean okay so in terms of like this so this is actually kind of nice um nuance was a bigger company they're a multinational um company um and so i mean they're bigger right more established and so the kind of projects i was working on there they were they were awesome like i, I mean i had fun learning at least for my first internship that was a really good experience um, for sure and i mean i got to work in the industry get a taste right it was my first time working as a software engineer um, or software developer in industry and kind of seeing how things run, right? Like working with team members on the team, working with managers, stakeholders, et cetera. Um, so that was a really good experience. But I think for me, something I noticed when I was working there was that things move um, like a lot slower than I kind of anticipated. So things don't go as quickly. Um, and that's not really, I mean, that's not the fault of the company per se. That's just how big companies are, I think. Um, things take a lot of time processes and like, because there's a huge hierarchy and um, decisions kind of trickle down and, and so on. And it, it takes a while, right? Like in terms of communicating with everybody um, and like um, figuring out, right? What to achieve this quarter, for example, and things like that. It takes takes a while, it takes a lot of planning. And so they can't really move as quickly. And so I felt that at times, like I was pretty kind of slow, right? There, maybe at some times there wasn't a lot of things to work on. And so, you know, I'm trying to look for things to work on, asking my manager and so on. and it, they would have to spend some time to figure out what to like assign or kind of get going. And so it wasn't as fast. And that's why I kind of like why I was looking towards startups, because I know at startups, um, it was like, it made sense that things had to move quickly, right? Startups need to grow. Startups need to move quickly in order to grow. And so I was thinking, right, mm, maybe if I work at a startup, then um, things will move a lot quicker and it would be a good opportunity to learn a lot of new things. Um, and it turns out that's kind of true. <laughs> it is um, the case at startups where like the pace is going, right? And and like there's lots of, there. there's so many things you could work on, right? Projects are going constantly. The team is working on multiple things at the same time. You, at startups, you tend to wear many hats. And when I was at Lacework, it was pretty nice where you could like kind of work on whatever you wanted to work on and like talk to whoever you wanted to talk to. Um, it wasn't as siloed as say in a big company. I mean, you're not really interacting with a lot of the other people in the company. At Lacework, when I first joined, I mean, everybody, uh, pretty much everybody that worked for the company, I would say like, so 70 or 80 people out of like a hundred or a bit over a hundred were working in HQ um, or something like that. I was like, I think maybe it was 70 people, a little bit under that, that were working in HQ and maybe like 20, 30 engineers, something like that. And so like not even 20, 30 engineers. When I first joined, it was probably a little less than that. But by then, right, like that's the, that's the whole company, like all the engineers are there. <laughs> and so like, it was super cool. Like you could just walk up to anybody, you know, talk to them, the whole company's there. You get to like have um, the, the CEO would host like, meetings um, and things were just like, it was a lot more tight knit, I would say, like in terms of the whole company, at least when they were starting out. Now, I mean, they're pretty established. I think they just raised a big round and they're worth over a billion dollars and so on. But um, at least when I started, um, it was really nice to have that kind of switch from big company type um, environment to uh, small and fast. That's awesome. It, I mean, it seems like working at a startup obviously influenced you and you, you went out and you know built your own startup after. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think this is a great segue into that. Like, you know, tell, tell us more about that. Like, uh, you know, what was it? How'd you get started? You know, yeah, just all the details. Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, let's talk about that. <laughs> so I was, so I was wrapping up my internship, like my first internship at Lacework. This was by like, I think November, December kind of. Um, and so I guess the really first time I kind of 
got the, I guess, worked on this, I like, heard about this idea was for a friend. And my friend was actually, um, had an idea, he was interviewing for YC and he flew down and he wanted to meet up. And I was like, yeah, sure. <laughs> like, why not? Right. Like, I want to see what you're working on and stuff. And so we went to a coffee shop. <laughs> I remember it was like downtown Mountain View, Pete's Coffee. <laughs> we, we came down, we just met up at a coffee shop and he's like, I got to show you this thing. And so he pulls out his laptop and he's like showing me like what he's working on. And he's like, this is, um, so this is what we kind of built at some hackathon. And he's like, I've got a YC interview. This is what I'm presenting at YC. And I was like, okay. I was looking at the app. I was like, dang, this is like a pretty good idea. Like, um, so what he was kind of showing me was just like kind of rough, um, I guess, kind of a prototype-ish um, of something he was working on, um, which was a documentation tool. Um, initially, I guess it was kind of like a documentation tool. It wasn't fully sketched, like hashed out, um, but it, it essentially was like for code documentation, mm -hmm. um, or at least documentation for um, like when people are writing code for developers. Uh, but it wasn't super hashed out about like what it was for or how it was going to be used, et cetera. And so he went, he was like, okay, he's like making his presentation and things like that. And I was like, dang, this is really cool. Right. I would, I would use this. Because the problems I was facing at companies that I worked at before, like so both at the startup and also at Nuance, um, something I realized was that documentation is actually super important. And it wasn't something that people, I mean, people tried to like drive processes and like make sure people write documentation, but it often becomes like an afterthought for developers. Developers aren't thinking like, actively like, oh, I want to write documentation. Like, I want to write documentation for this code, right? Like, no, like I want to finish my code. I want to test my code deploy it right verify it matches the requirements stack and features etc like do regression testing and things like that and i think documentation at that point becomes afterthought and nobody really wants to i mean i guess <laughs> if you're a seasoned developer maybe you do want to write it but like i think most developers would agree that it, it takes up a lot of time and it's not something that is really the number one thing right on their list to to do and so i was like this and then and then as a result of that right documentation easily becomes outdated um, and it's not super easy, right, to figure out what's going on when you join, join a new company, for example, and like you're getting engineers to onboard. Um, there are a lot of things sometimes in code bases that are really quirky and weird, and it would be really hard for new developers, especially junior developers, I think, particularly, um, to really like onboard to a code base well, right, without constant um, like mentorship from like senior developers and like at least getting help from the rest of the like people in the company. And so I was like, this, this is great, right? This would help a lot. <laughs> you could like insert documentation into your ID, um, like into like as an editor plugin. Um, and so, uh, and then I was like thinking what the potential was, right? You could like sync this across, across different Git branches. You could like, there's so many things you could do with this thing, right? And you can like make it run basically. And it would essentially, help solve a large problem industry revolving around internal documentation in companies. And so I guess we were chatting about that. And then, so he went to do his interview. Um, and I guess later on, this was like December, um, I was at work and he called me <laughs> and because he saw, I guess that I was super excited, um, about it. And so he told me, he's like, Hey, um, like, uh, we, he's like, we got into like uh, my company, taking it to YC. And he's like, I need a co-founder. And he's like, I want to ask you. And I was like, um, so I, had to, I was like, I was like thinking about it. I'm like, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I needed some time obviously to think about that decision. Cause that was pretty big, right? Like mm -hmm. um, essentially what that meant was like, I had to quit school um, for good basically for a lo as long. And the idea was like, you have to come join me. Go to, we go down to California, work on this thing. Um, and so I needed time to think about that. Cause that's like a, a big left turn in my life. And so I took a couple days, <laughs> it took me four days to decide what to do. Um, which I would say is not a very long time, <laughs> all things considered, because probably people would spend a lot more time thinking about that, right? Like, should I drop out of school? Like presumably for a very long time, right? Like upwards of 10 to 15 years, 20 years, maybe, and like go work on this thing or should I, uh, not do it. Right. I'd miss the opportunity. And, uh, I talked to a bunch of people about this. I talked to the CTO at Lacework. We had a chat, you know, kind of figure out what my goals were and things like that. And he was like, either way, right? 
things work out, um, even if it doesn't work out, like with the startup or it doesn't work out or you don't decide to do it, whatever it is, he's like, you just make the best decision that you can um, at, like, at, and make a decision that you know you won't regret from now, right? And I was thinking about it, I was like, okay, like obviously there are gonna be a lot of opportunities where I can work on a startup um, probably in the future, right? Like opportunities don't just like, it's not a once one time thing like, okay, um, like you only get one offer to work on a startup and then you never get to work on one again. Um, but I like this kind of opportunity, um, like it, it came up. And so I was like, but I regret turning it down, right? To work on this particular idea and like make this thing come real. Um, and I thought about it and I was like, yeah, so if I didn't do this thing, right, then I would probably likely regret not trying it. <laughs> um, and so that's why that was kind of the driving decision factor, I guess, that led me to saying yes. And so um, I was on board. And so obviously before I could actually join, like I had to like have my interview with YC and so on. And then, so I had, did my interview, talk, talk with the partners and things like that. And then, I mean, they gave me the green light and then, yeah. So my co-founder and I, we flew to California in January and we just started building this thing. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, how, how is your, was your experience with, uh, with Y Combinator, both the interview and then the actual, uh, the actual program? Yeah, so um, so my interview was a little bit different, and obviously than what regular people would like regular interviews would be. Um, so I can't really say too much about what the regular interview is kind of like. Um, but my interview was not as I would say maybe intense. It was still, I mean, they grilled me. <laughs> um, at least the so the, I got a call from a YC partner, and they kind of grilled me on on a variety of things, and just make sure like I'm you know fully committed and things like that, and just get a feel for what I think the vision was for the company and things like that. Um, and then after that, I mean, joining YC, like I would say the experience is, is rather interesting. I, I think it was um, definitely one of a kind. When you go to YC, I mean, so it's a startup incubator and I guess they're pretty famous for producing like a lot or backing a lot of companies that ultimately became quite successful. I mean, so like Airbnb, Dropbox, Reddit, companies like those, I mean, so they're pretty well known, I think in the world about like, you know, like people who go through a program and things like that. So the experience, I mean, working with people um, there, I think was um, really interesting because they had a lot of, I guess, insights. So the partners there, the people who kind of run this program, um, they have a lot of interesting um, experiences and insights about working because they are working with companies every batch, right? There's two batches per year and like a couple hundred companies going through each batch. And I mean, some of these partners have been working there for several years now, right? Or even more. And they've seen like hundreds, if not thousands of startups, right? Like, and, and they know like what kills startups and they know what makes startups like put on the right path, right? To put, put people on the right path. Obviously they're not gonna like solve all your problems or you make your startup successful because <laughs> they don't know, right? Like nobody really knows if your startup is gonna be the one that's gonna be successful. Um, but they can definitely offer like um, like super good advice about like, okay, this is gonna make you like run off the rails and, and kill your startup, for example. Uh, they'll know what will do that, right? Like, um, or like they'll know, okay, if you do this, this is generally like a good idea. So like it's, I think those things already like are super helpful, right? Because I mean, it's so easy to just kill your startup. <laughs> um, startups die, right? Most startups do die. Um, and so with like, some help right you might be able to stay afloat <laughs> rather than like okay it's doomed they so they that i think the experience there and like i mean meeting a lot of interesting people i mean everybody like that's there like as founders are i guess super motivated and driven right to make their startup become next big thing and you get to see like all these different companies what they're working on the different sectors the different people and personalities and then um what people are actually i guess um, like different stages of companies as well, right? Like companies that go through ICR aren't just your like just startup, right? Like just started getting going. Some startups that go through YC are actually established already. Like um, like there are startups that go in with like 500,000 um, annual revenue kind of thing or even more. And there are startups that are pre-revenue with like a couple users <laughs> that are like not paying, et cetera. So you have like the whole spectrum of like different startups at different stages. Um, some startups have raised money already. Some startups are looking to raise more money, um, things like that. And so I think the experience there, like seeing the diversity of the 
like the people and the companies and the ideas and things like that was super interesting. In terms of the actual, like, I guess how kind of YC works, I mean, um, essentially they have this program prepared that kind of helps founders, right, navigate like basic stuff. Um, they have like a little boot camp that kind of teaches you basics of like marketing, sales, et cetera, things like that. They have a lot of talks with um, like speakers. So yeah, you get like a few, like either a speaker, like founders, former founders will speak at these events. Um, or you just, yeah, you kind of have like these events every week basically. And there's also like a dinner, I guess. Um, and so every week you get like speakers, you get some sort of event and you get like this dinner um, where you can like chat with other people and um, uh, like attend the YC events basically. Um, and then at the end, obviously the big, I guess, <laughs> part of YC is demo day in which uh, you kind of present to a big crowd of investors. And that's kind of how, you know, kind of from the culmination of the event, um, it's a good way to get your like product um, and your vision to investors and then raise money, hopefully. Uh, so that's kind of the idea. And so unfortunately, um, yeah, the timing for the bat when I was in the batch, um, it was not super great. Like, unfortunately, uh, pandemic kind of hit and investors, I think, at, at least in the beginning, right? Because our demo day was supposed to be in March and um, it, we, we were going to have a demo day basically in person. They canceled and it was going to be online. And so that was like a big shocker, I think, for a lot of people, because this is like the first time they ever did demo day online. And I mean, it was like the, I guess the, the VC slash like investor side of things, they definitely tightened up a lot in during that time because like it was just the pandemic just hit and the econo economic conditions were kind of uncertain going moving forward. And so it was really, really, the environment right. for raising money became a lot tougher, I think, at, at least initially. And so, I mean, the thing we were working on, uh, we weren't at a stage where like we could easily just like go out and raise money, I would say like traction things like that. And at least the idea we were, we were still working on it. Um, but yeah, all things considered, I mean, <laughs> it was really, really hard to navigate that kind of environment. And then plus we had to leave, um, the country at that point. I mean, we were like thinking we got to leave because they were going to close down the country or something like that. And, um, yeah, just, it wasn't going to be, uh, like really great. So we were just like, okay, let's, let's go. And so we actually left, um, I guess, uh, mid-March kind of, um, and flew back to Canada. And so unfortunately we weren't able to participate in the online demo day at that point. So, yeah. All right. Um, so yeah, that's quite the experience. One thing I was thinking, it was like, I feel like when I talk, when I hear about YC, like I already expect a lot of these things because I mean, personally, at least mm -hmm. I've heard about it so much. So was there something like that was particularly surprising or like unexpected that you thought YC offered? Um, yeah, I mean, so like, obviously the things that I kind of talked about and are kind of known, I mean, that's helpful. I think the, um, something that was particularly interesting, at least, um, I mean, beyond, I guess, like the people in your batch, I mean, I think listening to speakers, like talk about their experiences and things like that, cause they, they kind of dive into, um, like their experiences. Right. And then they kind of open up a lot of things. Um, and like, you get to really hear like what really they were thinking about, right. Instead of just kind of, um, what people think they were thinking about. <laughs> and so I think those kind of insights, um, particularly, um, were super helpful, um, in terms of like, at least learning about, um, startups and kind of what it takes, um, and like what led people to do what they did. Um, and hearing about all that, I think, um, definitely helped a lot. Um, and so in terms of like other not so, um, well-known things, I mean, um, okay, I guess, I mean, this is kind of well-known, I suppose, but like working with partners. So every kind of group, like batch, they get, they divide you up into like groups and then you work with basically, um, like group partners. And so most of the group partners are, um, either ex founders um or founders slash like move into a different role after they were a founder um 
And so they have a lot of startup experience. Plus, like they were part, maybe they were partners for like qu quite a few years now. And so these guys have like a lot of experience. And I think one thing was finding a partner um, or finding partners that were experienced in your space was something that was particularly important. Like it, it kind of makes sense. I mean, you want to find somebody who knows, like, but yeah. I think that was something um, particularly important because so, I mean, they divided us up kind of into groups, right? And then you kind of work with partners and sometimes they, tr they tried their best to basically align, like make, make groups such that, right? The partners you work with in your group are partners that kind of, but sometimes right. it didn't really line up exactly, right? Because they, sometimes they don't even know what you're working on really, right? Like they do know because you do your presentation and, and so on, but maybe they don't really know what your vision is, right? For it or, or like exactly how you kind of envision it. And so I think finding the partners that really know how to help you like move your like move you along or like have connections in your space etc like using um the, them as a resource was something that was particularly useful um and can often be like hard <laughs> to find right like maybe you don't know all the partners uh, you don't know who knows who or who knows what etc and so i think that was something um yeah that would be quite useful. And then the other thing was, so oftentimes it was actually hard to find. So if you're a company, I mean, so for example, I'll just give an example. Like if you're working on a social app, for example, there are partners there that have done social apps like really well, right? Like IE Twitch, for example, um, or yeah. um, uh, maybe some other, like some other partners have like a lot of experience like with marketplaces, right? Maybe they've founded a company that essentially is a marketplace that connects like creative designers with like, uh, people who want to purchase that, right? And so for some things, like obviously it's really easy to find, but maybe for some other not so straightforward air, like spaces, um, it was a lot tougher. So some people, like some people were working on these companies um, and it was really hard for them to find partners that really understood what they were working on and like had experience in that particular space because maybe they've, no partner has ever worked on something in that area. And so that was like, yeah. That could pose a challenge, and I think um, with that, like with that in mind, yeah. So that's something I thought. Like they, I mean, as I guess it's an improvement, <laughs> maybe in the future they they could definitely, um, um, yeah. It's hard, right? Because they they have a lot of partners and and so on, and so they already cover a lot of ground. Um, but it was definitely I found right. I was talking to some of my batchmates. Some people found it tougher, especially uh, because they just didn't have like the right mentor, right? Or like the right person that they felt would be able to help them the best. Um, but in overall, I mean, experience was pretty good. I would say well worth it, right? Like aside from, you know, like there's small hiccups here and there. Um, and I guess in terms of like, another thing I kind of noticed was, so they took a lot of companies this time. And so I know that YC, like taking a lot of companies and like trying to help as many people as they can, I, I get that, right? Like that seems like a really good idea and it makes a lot of sense. Um, but I find that it kind of loses something, right? Like even though you're in these groups, right? And these groups are small, right? Because the whole comp the whole batch is like gigantic and they divide you up in these groups to make it kind of smaller to kind of emulate what it was like many years ago when they first started. Um, but I still feel like it was kind of, that part was a little bit lost um, because uh, like the group sizes are still big, right? Back in the day, right? Like back in 2000, what, 2008? Was that Reddit? Something like that. <laughs> back when like Reddit was in the batch, I mean, there was like 20 people or something like that, or like 30 people, right? It was like tiny. Like everybody fit at one dinner table. Um, and I think at that point, everybody's super more like tight knit and so on, right? Like um, everybody knows each other in the batch, right? And at that time it was Paul Graham and like running it and all and all. And like everybody would be able to have opportunity to speak with Paul Graham, like talk to each other and, you know, kind of work on their startups, almost like together, right? Like they're in it together. Um, but now I think because it's so big again, right? Like it just becomes a lot tougher for um, people to really get to know everybody, right? Like, I don't think there's a way for you to like know everybody in your batch anymore. And I feel like some of that is kind of lost because yeah, just <laughs> there's less of that, like, you know, stickiness between people. So I get why they did that. And I, I understand like the reasoning to help as many startups as they can and things like that. But um, th that's the sacrifice that I guess they decided to go with was to, um, yeah, take a lot of people and then 
just make it uh, a little um, less tight knit between, I guess, founders and like everybody in the batch. Yeah. Yeah, no, that, that, that sounds super interesting. Those are, there's some really good insights on on Y Combinator as a whole. Um, is the is the startup that you were working on still going? And I, I understand you're back in school right now. So um, are you mm -hmm. still working on it? Yeah, so no. Um, my co-founder and I, we talked about this, um, I guess, back in March-ish, March. -ish, March. Um, it wasn't picking up as fast as we wanted it to in terms of like traction and the space is particularly difficult to navigate that was something we discovered working on our startup um the documentation space is not uh as straightforward i guess at least the internal documentation space so there were, we were thinking about how to like expand this right like we were thinking okay so internal documentation for a lot of companies we talked to was just not that important right? like for startups they just didn't care like at all <laughs> flat out didn't care we talked to mid-sized companies Mid-sized companies like place greater emphasis on at least the ones that were hiring. They place emphasis on documentation, make it easier for like new hires to like onboard. But again, it wasn't it wasn't as important to them as well, right? Like they had internal tools that would help them with that. So like for example, they would be using Confluence or whatever to document their stuff and put like comments in their code, and it was like quote unquote good enough, right? They wasn't sure if it was worth like integrating a new entire nearly new tool into their workflow. And so that left the big companies. And so we we're talking to big companies and big companies were actually quite interested in what we were working on right? because big companies attend the one that have like the turnover and the comp like hires coming in and go like coming in and leaving all the time. And, and so like documentation was kind of like important for them. Um, but we ran into a lot of little issues because I think documentation, um, at least working on documentation as like a developer, right? Developers, it's really hard to convince them to like pick up this tool to like for documentation purposes. Like I, I think developers um, like they sure like they write documentation, but it's not like, again, like the number one thing on the bucket list. Um, and then now you're trying to force them to use a tool that will help them with this. I mean, they're just thinking like, ah, maybe not. Right. Like I, I don't really care that much. Like I don't really want to use it. I'll use it if like somebody forces me to use it, but then that's not really that great. And so like the people we were talking to, um, we we're talking, so we we're trying to sell to big companies. We we're talking to like managers, like um, VPs, et cetera. And they were like pretty on board, right? With the pro like with this idea and with the product and things like that. They were like, they could see, right? How this would be super useful in their company. Um, but the problem was they were having a hard time convincing their employees and the engineers on teams to like adopt the, the tool because in order for the tool to actually work, you need the engineers to use the tool. And if you can't get the engineers to use the tool, then there's no point in using the tool. And so we ran into like this catch 22 kind of situation a lot. <laughs> and so ultimately, I mean, we were talking about it and I was like, we could spend like more time, right? To really try to figure out this space and like how to fix this catch 22. But at that point, I mean, I think I was starting to like lose a little bit of um, like interest and steam, I guess, in like trying to like, like slap this solution and like try to shape it into something that like would you know, satisfy the engineers and that. Cause like I was thinking about it and I was like, maybe this isn't as big of a problem, right? And wouldn't pick up as like, as traction and things like that, as big as we initially thought. Cause when I first thought about it, I was like, this is a big problem, right? But then maybe, maybe like we were thinking about it, it's like, okay, this problem might be like, like decent, like decently big, right? Um, but maybe we're just not doing it right. Like maybe we're not solving the problem in the way it should be solved. Um, and maybe this is why developers don't want to use our tool because the product like, kind of sucks. <laughs> maybe it doesn't work um, and it doesn't solve the problem at hand. And so from there, we were like trying to, I guess, figure out how to move forward. And so at that point I was like, hmm, maybe we should like leave the documentation space, pivot to something else. And so we were talking about it for quite a bit of time. And ultimately I was like, you know what? None of the like stuff, I, we came up with a bunch of pivot ideas and we're like talking them through. And I was just like, I was like, these aren't, giving the same spark and passion that I initially had, right? When I was working on the documentation tool, like I knew this is what I wanted to work on, but then listening to all those pivot ideas and like coming up with them, it wasn't like what I really wanted to work on. And for me, like in order to, I guess, be the startup founder to work on that thing for like, I guess a big portion of my life, it would be, have to be something that I was passionate in. And so any of those things that we were talking about, like they were cool ideas, but they weren't things I would be interested um, like really work on as a founder, you know? Mm -hmm. So from there I decide, okay, 
like I, I, st I can't figure it out, right? Like what I would want to work on now. And so I was like, maybe I should just, you know, finish my degree. And, and while I do that, like keep thinking, right? And maybe there's some experience I'll have, maybe something I'll learn um, and get a, gain a unique insight into some space. And then I could do something there. And so that's kind of where I've been, I guess, since then <laughs> is, you know, doing school, doing my thing. And then maybe there's a spark, right? And something will light that passion again. Uh, mm -hmm. But at that time, right, like after those three, four months we were working on HyperDoc, right? Like our, our company, it was it was clear to me that like there wasn't something that really drew the same kind of spark as like my my meeting back in December, right? At that coffee shop. When I looked at that, I was mm -hmm. like, this is it, right? This is what I wanted to work on. Um, and so, yeah, that's kind of where I decided to move on from then. That's, yeah, that's, that's super interesting. I know, you know, startups are, there's a lot of sort of time that goes into figuring out, you know, yeah, is, is it that like a long project? You know, a lot of these take a long time to grow. So I can definitely see that, um, you know, fr from like a, I guess, just a learnings perspective, would you say after, after going through, you know, I'd say, I'd say quite a bit all the way from like entry to like, not, I don't mean exit as in like exit, exit, but like, you know, ending off at your startup, like, would you say you still want to keep building startups or did you really enjoy co-op and, and you want to work or, you know, you're just unsure mm -hmm. and just want to serendipitously? Yeah. Yeah. So in terms of like startups, I mean, there's a, so after having gone through that experience, um, I mean, I've garnered, I guess I have a new, newfound respect. I mean, I already knew startups were hard, right? But having gone through it, I mean, now like startup founders, like I know like the kind of stuff they have to go through, um, the kind of things that they face, right? Like firsthand. And so there's like, there is a level of, I guess, deeper respect for people who do startups and work at least as a founder or like an early employee and things like that. The company like you have no idea like what you're doing really uh, at least in the beginning and you're trying to like shape it and move it towards what you want it to become and it just feels oftentimes there can be a lot of resistance just from the ambiguity and the uncertainty and so i mean i like uncertainty i like risk i like those kinds of things so like mm -hmm. a startup is pretty like at least working in the startup world being a founder like i can definitely see that um in the future for me um i still love startups and i still love hearing about people's ideas and what they're working on and mm. things like that because yeah just for me it's super interesting right all the big companies came like at least uh i guess tech companies i should say a lot of tech companies came from um uh, like being that scrappy type of startup right like google started a garage for example or like apple right it was steve and steve yeah. <laughs> um and so like going from that right I and mean, then now as we can see kind of really how that came to be, right? Like the, the journey that companies take. And so I think there's something special in that, right? Mm -hmm. Ideas have to start somewhere um, without like, you know, being a scrappy <laughs> startup in the garage, right? Yeah. I mean, or like Google deciding to do what it did, then I mean, today might not exist. So yeah, there are, there are like, uh, I think startups, Absolutely. Can, I mean, the ones, obviously a lot of most, most fail, right? Like most startups fail. Um, but if you don't try it, if you don't give it a shot, then it's never going to work. Right. So you, you give it a shot and then maybe you can do something great. Right. And make that startup into something maybe in 40, 50 years or whatever becomes, you know, a giant. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, if people have ideas, I, I highly recommend, right. Like if you have something that you really want to work on and there's that spark, you know, you really found something that you're passionate about and you think you can make it work, go for it. Right. Like just do it because if you're not going to make it work, right? Like maybe somebody else might, but maybe it won't work out if they do it, right? Like if you want to do it, I think, um, and you think you should be the one to do it, then just do it because, um, yeah, like if you don't try it out, your vision will never really be like the one that comes out. Right. So, yeah, yeah, for sure. And, you know, just on that note, like I know myself and a lot of the friends I, I speak with, like we all struggle a bit when we're thinking about these like opportunities and, and the opportunity costs with a lot of this stuff. Right. Um, you know, you have um, potentially a bunch of co-ops in front of you and, and maybe multiple ideas that you want to pursue that you're passionate about. Um, and, you know, just this blend of like the conviction behind certain ideas and opportunity costs and sort of how you think about that, I think plays a significant role when you have a lot of opportunities in front of you. 
Um, yeah. I'm sure you've been in that position a lot as well. You know, the startup that you were presented with, I'm sure you had to weigh different opportunities against it. So how do you sort yeah. of go about navigating and thinking about opportunity cost? Yeah, so the way I like to think about things, this is like, I guess, my kind of life uh, <laughs> um, decision-making process. It's it's quite, I would say, oh, well, it's not easy, but it's quite simple recipe, right? Like it's, um, when you make a decision, right, you consider, sure, you consider like all the sorts of factors and things like that, you know, pros and cons, et cetera, whatever it is that you, you kind of use to, you know, make decisions there. I think, but the, the biggest decision, like driving factor should be like, making the po best possible decision given the current like facts right like at that point right uh, let's say right like back in december right at that point right i'm presented with like either side right? i'm looking i could you know finish my degree right and, you know get a stable job etc or i could take this opportunity and i was like you know which one would i like want to do more than the other right and you just make a decision because oftentimes people struggle with making like these decisions um because they're always like going back and forth like which one might be better or whatever regret which one you know kind of going back and forth and i think um spending too much time like dwelling on that thing is probably worse than picking either option because regardless right if you pick either option like at least you've made the decision right and and now you can move forward and make more decisions going forward and so i think deciding right which one is the best decision for me given the current um like given my current experiences and uh, knowledge, right? Which one, like what I want to do more. And that's fine because in the future, right? You can't just go back and be like, okay, I wish I hadn't done that. Like, I wish I hadn't made that decision. Mm -hmm. um, and you can't like think about that now, right? Like for example, if I'm going forward from now, I can't be like, okay, in 10 years, what if I look back and say, I regretted that decision, right? Like, no, <laughs> you can't do that. Otherwise you're going to be stuck, right? In this endless loop of like, oh my God, what if I pick the other one I regretted like 10 years later, you know, like whatever, right? Yeah. If you do end up regretting that decision, like, that's okay. Maybe it is true that in 10 years or five years, whatever it is, you end up regretting the decision you made like the years ago, right? That's okay. But at least you made that decision and you have to look back and you can't say, right? Like I should have never done that. Because if you look back and say that, and something must have been wrong because when you made that decision, it should have been the decision that you wanted to make at that time. And so looking back, you could regret, you could be like, okay, after those five years, I felt like I wasted my life. Like, that's fine. But you can't be like, okay, I shouldn't have made that decision because like you you made that decision, right? You, you did. And, and you did it and you made the best possible one you could. And so I think moving forward, that's kind of how people should think about things, right? Like when you make a decision in life, decide, right, which one's best for you now because that's what you have to do now. You can't start thinking like, oh, in the future, I'm looking back and, and thinking all that kind of thing. Because yeah, like regardless, I mean, <laughs> the path isn't made yet, right? You, you decide how to make your path. And so I think that's um, that might help when people are like thinking about navigating, like what should I do? How do I move forward and things like that? Mm -hmm. No, that's, yeah, I, I, I agree with a lot of what you said there, you know? Um, mm -hmm. I think serendipity always always ends up working really nicely. Uh, you, you know, you yeah, that up to up to the you know moment. Um, and I, I know you you mentioned that you're not you know you're you're sort of mapping or, or trying to see you know different um, you know see see if you can come up with new ideas as you're going or you know different sparks would come up. But you know yeah. when you when you get an idea or you know when you had that um, had had the documentation tool um, idea presented mm -hmm. in front of you. How did you sort of get the conviction behind that? Like, like, do you know what fueled that passion in you or is it just yeah. things you really love to do and, and that sort of it? So this is kind of, I mean, um, oftentimes I find good startups come from like just things that you experience day to day, right? Problems that you experience. So in order to make a good startup, like this is something we learned, um, I guess, partly through IC, but also just like through experience. Um, startups solve problems, right? You want to make something that will solve a problem make something people want. That is YC's like motto, right? Make something people want. Mm -hmm. And you need to essentially make something people want. And what better thing to make than something than making something that you would want, right? Like making something that you would want, chances are there are other people that are just like you, right? And if you make something that you would really want to use, chances are people, other people that are like you also want to use the same thing. And so that's, I think starting out, I, I personally can't think of like a way to like, like, I can't sit down and be like, I want to make a startup. Like, I don't think that is the right way of thinking about it because I can't, like, at that point, I'm not thinking about, like, 
I'm not thinking about startups the right way, right? If I'm down, I'm like, I want to make a startup. I don't think I, I would be able to come up with a good idea. It would have to be something you kind of just do, right? Like you, you work on something, maybe it's a side project you're working on. Maybe it's a problem you face in your day-to-day -day life. Something you were thinking like, I wish this was better. I wish I had this. And the minute you start thinking about things like that, right? Like I wish I had X, I wish I had Y. That's my style of thinking about startups, I think. When I was presented with like the documentation problem, it was something I faced personally, like at companies. I remember the, like the crappy documentation I had to deal with, the outdated, you know, people just not writing documentation, things like that. And I like looked at that and I was like, like I, I face this like every day, right? Day to day, this is a problem I face. And I was like, I wish this were better. And so I think from there, right? Like if you have something like a problem you face and you want to fix it, right? I think that's the conviction that kind of brings you forward and like moves you along. At least for me personally, that's how kind of how it works. <laughs> um, so yeah. I think that's at least how I go about things and probably many other people go about that the same way. Um, start looking in like your day-to-day -day, things that you face, problems that you encounter and things you wish you could make better. Okay. Um, so for our last question, we normally ask about like advice. So I guess you can answer it in two, two ways. So it's either like, what's the best advice you've ever received or like, what's the yeah, advice guess, you like to give to our <laughs> Over listeners? the course of our uh, um, talk, I mean, I guess I have given some sort of advice. <laughs> I think the like, primary one that for me, like the biggest driving yeah, thing sure, is that decision sure. making. I think that applies to um, like almost every aspect of life, right? Um, I think making the decision is better, right? Um, even if you make the lesser of the two, it's better than not making a decision at all. Right? I think you can't get stuck up, like stuck on trying to figure out you know, it's like spending too much time like dwelling, right? Or thinking about which one to go with, you know, what, what is right, what is wrong, you know, that kind of thing. Taking risks, for example, right? Like personally, I like taking risks. Um, I know people like other people might not be as comfortable um, taking risks, but like at that point when you're thinking about things like that, right? Like for example, one common thing I get from people is like, okay, I got a job on Waterloo Works or I got a job somewhere um, but then I got this other job, right? And I am in this trouble where like I accepted this job and I don't really want to work there and this other job off, like I might get the job, but I'm not sure. Um, but this other job I got, like it's stable, I want to take it, right? Like um, just because I got it and not because I want to work there. Like when people are thinking about like, okay, that kind of, when they're in that kind of situation, they're really stuck, right? I think what you should consider is like, okay, right? Just break it down and be like, do I want to work at that job, right? And the answer is no then don't work there. Like, don't just, I think people, when they like decide they're, they, they don't wanna take that risk, right? And they don't wanna um, like ruin everything. But I mean, if you really don't wanna work there, right? Or if you don't really wanna do like something, just don't do it, right? Even if it's because it's the safer, the safer option, right? I think um, like obviously there is some merit in like picking the safer option, right? But I think as a young person, right, as like, we're not, we're not like, um, like we're okay if we get like kicked down, right? And we're okay if things don't go our way. And so I think like when people are considering options and like which decisions to make, right? Um, if there is a decision that you're only solely taking because it's the safer one, I think people should like, you know, just think, right? Like if I really don't want to do this thing, you know, like just I, if you don't want to do it, don't do it. Just go with the other one, right? Even if it's like, oh, now you have no job, right? Hey it's okay, right? Like you can keep going and finding, like finding a job and doing those things, you can keep going. And so I think like when people are considering that at least making those decisions, they should just, you know, go with that, right? Go with something and make up their mind instead of like, um, you know, going back and forth too much. Obviously that, I mean, I don't mean like, okay, just like make the decision right away. Don't like, rush it, but like, um, like spend the time you need um, thinking about it, right? Obviously carefully consider both options or carefully consider the options presented. But then once you pick one, go with it, commit, right? And I think that will help a lot in terms of like getting past um, like the uh, indecisiveness of, of people, right? I think naturally we tend to be a lot of indecisive when we don't know, when we're faced with two options and we don't know the outcomes, uh, we tend to be very indecisive and going back and forth a lot. Um, but I think, you know, you just carefully consider the options and you just move forward. And it's okay, right? You just go down one path and explore.
I think that's probably the best way to make like at least going through the decision making process. That's yeah, that's super super good advice. Um, yeah, I think I think that's a that's a good you know note to close. Um, thanks so much. Um, you know, it's been it's been such a great pleasure to learn more about all of your diverse and impressive experiences. Um, this has been an amazing episode with another brilliant mind from our very own University of Waterloo. Um, yeah, so that's it, folks. See you next time with another episode on the Waterloo Advantage. Mm -hmm.